I'm not sure if our next guest goes back into the WWF cartoon days because that's where I went back. I mean, uh, like him, Jimmy Superfly Snooker was my favorite coming up. <laughs> him and Tony Atlas. I love George the Animal Steel. Was that dye on his tongue? I really got to know. I mean, was he really, you know. But anyway, let me introduce okay. you real quick. This is Mick Foley. <laughs> What's that do for you right there? You know what? I, I, I returned to WWE for the first time in over three years, and it was uh, really cool. I found myself daydreaming about that initial, you know, that initial car crash and uh, yeah. three-chord music to the point where I was doing a comedy uh, series of comedy shows in Ireland and the and the UK. Don't confuse Ireland and the UK, by the way. They yeah, don't they don't like it. No, no, they, no. They get upset no. about it. Yeah, those Islanders do. Uh, uh, and I realized that I was flying into Dublin on the same day that WWE was there. And so I called them up. I was like, can I be on the show? Can I just show up? Can I come out to my music? You know, like, mm-hmm. I don't need to get paid. I just want to come out. And it was a pretty, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty big rush. You know, that is pretty so cool. big. I noticed you guys are called The Game. Yeah. I, I imagine Triple H's music fits in here somewhere. And if not here, I've heard it played, like, at World Series, you know, at Super Bowls. Like, different guys come out to it. And I keep waiting for someone to use my music in a, on a World Series type stage. And, well, uh, maybe we incorporate that. You know, okay, we can find a okay. place for it. Definitely. I, I gotta say, I was so excited to come here uh, that I showed up a day early. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was that look on, on the faces, like, "Hey, it's great to see you," but not today. Hey, but you know what? Improv is part of the gig. You know, That's right. so we we adjusted, just like we talked about. Well, I appreciate it. In fact, you did some improv last night at Zany's. I did, man. I did. Yeah, uh, that that was a way to work that in. You guys deserved we'll that. Uh, <laughs> I, radio, I don't know why I looked at him shocked. I was like, wow, radio, that was nice. bump. Yeah, we had a good time. It was, uh, I guess, just about a sellout. May have been a, a sellout. And uh, people came ready to have fun, which is always a plus when you're doing comedy. I know most people out there don't even know that I do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the bar is always set low. People are like, all right, I'll, I'll check this out. And then they end up having a lot of fun. So, Mick, where do you get your material when you're doing stand-up? Oh, man, here's, here's the thing is that if you stick around the world of wrestling long enough, the comedy just kind of writes itself. You know, mm-hmm. you just kind of observe and go, well, this, you know, this is great. This works. Uh, you know, the other day, I think I could say this. Can I say this thing about Tebow? First time I said it last night. It's, you know, I hopefully it's not going to f- offend anybody, but I was uh, watching the game, and uh, and this guy is, I mean, he he's great for business, right? Whether you Absolutely. like him or dislike right. him, he's like the John Cena of of the NFL. Nobody exactly. does not have an opinion. Nobody goes, Tebow, eh. You know, it's either you're on the bus or, or you you can't, you want to see him under the bus. And I'm watching the game with my son, who's a strapping young man of 20, and his friends who are all, you know, you know, pretty pretty good-looking, t- you know, t- tough-type kids. And I hear them saying things like, you know what I love about Tebow? Like, after he scores a touchdown, he pumps his arms. You can see the muscles in his arms rippling and then another guy goes you know what's cool is like he's not clean shaven but he's still clean cut and i realized like i'm looking at a bunch of man crushes here you know and so i just like it's so weird that this guy who's so religious and so beloved by you know conservatives is actually turning half of america's youth gay but isn't but isn't that part of the lure though i mean seriously though i mean subconsciously aren't we drawn to people who we deem attractive in our own eyes right tim table is a good looking cat i think we're all comfortable enough in our masculinity to admit that right darren 
Right? I, Why'd you bring I, me into it? Because I hug on you all the time, but you know that doesn't mean I want to get with you. I'm just saying, you know, Tim Tebow's an attractive guy, and yeah, he does that by design. I don't think that he doesn't know the cameras are on him when he spikes that ball and gives the. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. you think, you think he's holding he his went breath? to a marketing firm. So exactly. I need, a, I need a gimmick, you know. Yeah. Look at his neck. The veins bulging in his neck tells you he's holding his breath. That's what that means. And you think he's actually he's doing something? Because I said to my my son, I'm like, he goes, I've never seen anybody else like that with arms, and I was like. What about every guy in the WWE besides your dad? Like every other guy is ripped yeah. and pumped. But uh, do you ever let, let me ask you something? It's kind of—I don't know. How do you decide how to come out? In other words, some guy comes out in the onesie, some guy comes out in the, in the tights. I mean, you know, it's oh man. I mean, I some was people lucky. are subconscious about the guts. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, that's why uh, you know uh, I came around in the in the era of the cover up. Uh, you know, when it was a. Uh, the post-steroid era, and they were actually like uh-huh. welcoming guys with a more natural look uh-huh. uh, for the first time. As I broke in the eighty in the mid eighties, all bodybuilders, and it was like right around nineteen ninety that I started. I had my wife like make me like something kind of cool looking, but they covered up most everything except the arms. And I had a uh, at the time, you know, I, yeah. I had a, a, you know never good arms, but they were you know at least yeah, respectable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a, a, a '84 Chevy LeBaron, and that was my tanning bed. It had wow. the top came down. I would wear a tank top on the road, <laughs> and that was how I kept my arms tanned. Didn't care about another thing on there. I always tried to keep in good cardiovascular shape, mm. but I don't know. Same question. My, you know, I was talking to my son. A, a new guy debuted on WWE, uh, Brodus Clay. Big guy, but maybe not a onesie guy, Yeah, but he was in a onesie. And we wondered how they arrived at that conclusion. Yeah, not and a I good said, look. Nah, you never know. Like initially, it didn't look like a good look. But yeah. if a guy is not self-conscious, you know, and he's not continually pulling up his pants, and you're like, oh, there's a guy who's comfortable in his own skin. That yeah, I was can thinking about that. I was, I was going to say, you know, you you have to be comfortable enough, or or you know, not have a have a say one way or other. Especially like I think it was like 12 years ago, you took the title from The Rock, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so good, you're. Good. I'm not saying that. You, I'm not saying that. You know, you're not a sh- a good looking guy. I'm just saying, right, you know, when I wrestled the rock, the rock, one right. of these things was There's not like difference. the other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. So if you, yeah, and it's good that you were able to hold it together. By the way, congrats! You were the first person to bring up the LeBaron on this program. So wow, really? Chevy oh, LeBaron. I love that LeBaron man. He, said he tanned his arms. Oh That's yeah. So cool. There was a. Uh, I was doing a, a big uh, pay per view match with a guy named Vader in 1993. And I couldn't get the top down on my LeBaron driving to the airport in Atlanta. It was just a pouring rain, pouring rain, and about 40 degrees. And, man, I by the time I actually made it to New Orleans, I was, like, deathly sick, mm. you know. But that I guess I looked fairly cool while I was on my way to the airport. Mick, you are an onion. Uh, not only are you uh, – <laughs> You know, you're you're a guy who enjoys good stand up. You know, good good entertainer. You obviously have your your uh, your wrestling background, uh, but you're also a writer. Yes, you know, and yeah. uh, talk a little bit about that. Man, I loved uh, I loved uh, doing the writing. I, I was a kid when I grew up. I was always reading sports autobiographies, and I, and I would see they would say as told to or uh, with you know so and so. Dick Butkus stopped back. I remember still. I based one of my books that I did in uh, 2007 on a book. 
that Dick Butkus did in 73, which was like the last two weeks of a really disappointing season, you know, a year when the Bears were supposed to be strong. I think they finished 2-12, and 12, and that's when I was like, you know, you can kind of capture, and even though it was a, a nothing season, he brought those two weeks to life, and that's what I ended up doing in 2007 with my book, uh, The Hardcore Diaries. But going back to 99, I just had a chance to do a book. They had a, a ghostwriter doing it for me, and I just thought, man, this is pretty boring. And maybe it was a sign that I'd taken too many unprotected chair shots, but I was like, I think I can write this thing, you know? And it just turned out, luckily, they had someone helping me with, you know, punctuation and grammar, but I had a pretty good uh, style of writing, very conversational. And so uh, readers enjoyed it and they bought it and, it and it gave me kind of a new lease on life. Hey, Mick, after this sex segment, can we get you to, to show us the differences between the protected and the unprotected chair shot on Darren, by the way? Right. Yeah. You know, I, I get volunteered for everything. Because I have to see this and be able to uh-huh. talk about it. I right. can't be hit, getting hit and oh, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, play well, play too. Well, you, know what? you know, the chair shot is kind of like the, uh, the kickoff in the NFL, like, it's kind of gone, the kickoff return, except that we've all but eliminated it in uh. WWE. You know, now we make it where one to the back really means something. Whereas for a while, you know, these things were done so often that if you weren't doing it, you were right. doing something wrong. And then if somebody dared bring up their hand to protect themselves, the guys in the back would be like, what a Whatever, whatever you're allowed to say. fill in the blank. That's a bad. You know, that's, that's a bad great. standard to set. So right. I'm really more comfortable. The same way some people will be like, "Oh, come on! Well, I like to see the kickoff." But you know, there's a lot of bad things that happen yeah. on uh, on those returns. So uh, we're trying to do with uh, the safe thing and uh, do right by the guys. Mick Foley is in our first family mortgage game studios, and we're gonna have him tell you what he's doing in Nashville. We'll do that on the other side here in the Wendy's first quarter.